Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. We've got so many great interviews to get to today, so let's get right into it. We'll start off with the next challenger for the Women's Bantamweight Championship of the World, Juliana Pena, who has not minced words about wanting to face Nunez, hasn't been afraid of calling her out, and seems very, very confident ahead of her assignment, taking on the Lioness, the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time. Very tough assignment. We'll see how she answers that call. We will also be joined by a man who is in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. It's Rob Font. He's taking on Jose Aldo, looking to remain in the title conversation in a stacked bantamweight division. We'll also be joined by Jimmy Crute, who's taking on Jamal Hill this week at UFC Fight Night, as well as Jeremy Kennedy, who has a big fight ahead of him, the co-main event of this Friday's Bellator card against Emmanuel Sanchez. Some fantastic guests. I hope you enjoy them. And then, of course, next week, it's uh, UFC 269 Fight Week. We'll have a lot of great interviews to get to then. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll get right into it with Juliana Pena, here on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Pleased to be joined now by the next challenger for Amanda Nunez's bantamweight championship is Juliana Pena. I've got to say, it's, uh, I respect the uh, the way that you've approached this. This has been a, a very um, interesting way of getting this title fight because you don't see a lot of people call out the lioness. You've been pretty uh, brazen about that, which I like to see. You know, I've been I've been in this sport for just as long as Amanda, and I've been doing this for a long time. I'm I'm not an imposter. I didn't just fall out of the sky. You know, I, I'm worthy to be here. I'm, I'm worthy because of my dedication and I'm, I'm worthy, worthy because of what I've sacrificed to become who I am. And, you know, everyone thinks that I'm this sacrificial lamb, but I can assure you everyone loves an underdog and I and I am no lamb. Well, I'll, I'll ask you a question here. What was Amanda Nunez's record when she won the championship? Do you know offhand? I don't. It was 13 and 4. You're 11 and 4. So, like you said, I mean, we're, we're not talking about uh, a situation where you haven't gotten to a similar spot that Amanda Nunez was in when she went for the title in the first place. There you go. Yeah, well, I, like, I, like I said before, I think that when you approach this fight in a way that you have, it does add to the uh, promotional value of it. And I think that uh, it would have been refreshing to see other people do what you've done. I, I don't think that... Other people are afraid of Amanda Nunez, but you certainly uh, have shown that you are not. I mean, no one else in the division will even breathe her name. Um, and, you know, I didn't just get in here to be at the bottom of the barrel. You know, I have only fought in the top of the division. I've fought in former world champion after former world champion and current champion. So, you know, I've only fought the best in the world and, and I am ready uh, to, to test myself. I've been given the opportunity. I have the ability to do anything that I want in life and I'm ready to grow and express my full potential. Yeah, you mentioned your full potential, and you had a, a layoff, of course, because you had a, a daughter, which, uh, congratulations on that. I know it's been a two years by, by now, but uh, I think that we haven't really seen all of the different tools that you've been able to gather over the past couple of years. Would you agree with that? Do you think that a lot of people are overlooking what your, your evolved skill set would be? I mean, a lot of people are sleeping, and that's fine. Let them sleep, you know. I, I prefer to fly under the radar anyways, and, uh, you know, I'm just ready to, to stand out in that light and, and to become the new champion. 
you came into the sport uh, off of the Ultimate Fighter. You were the uh, the winner of that particular season under the tutelage of Misha Tate. Have you spoken to Misha at all? I know Misha has fought Amanda Nunes previously and is still looking to get to the top of the division. Unfortunately, had a bit of a hiccup recently. Uh, yeah, I spoke to her after the fight, and uh, I just wished her uh, my best wishes, and uh, I hope that she heals um, and and has you know just nothing but the best. She always has. Uh, my best wishes and and hoping that she does uh, great and and well in everything that she does. So we're we're in good we're in good standing. Now this fight was supposed to happen, I guess, back in July or or August, and uh, it has been postponed, of course, until uh, the last pay per view of the year. Would you have rather the fight taken place back then because you had already gotten through a full camp, or are you happy that it got postponed and you got a little bit more time to uh, learn some more skills along the way? You know, I think that. It doesn't matter whether I fight her next week, last week, you know, you can push it back. It, it, it doesn't matter to me. The point is, is that I have been given the opportunity. The world is my oyster and I have the ability to do anything that I want in life. And so it doesn't matter when it happens. The point is, excuse me, the point is, is that it's happening. And that's my main focus. And, and I'm ready to go. Where did you train for the, this particular uh, fight? Did you stay exclusively uh, with Valley Fight Systems in, um, in Chicago? I have a few gyms that I train out here in Chicago, and uh, and I just train um, in the Chicagoland area. Chicago has been a, a region that's been really growing in terms of the amount of UFC fighters that have been training in the city. Yeah, I guess like probably five, ten years ago, you know, not a lot of people trained in Chicago. I know Curtis Blades, when he was coming up, trained at a UFC gym, like a franchise gym coming up in Chicago. So it must be nice to have all of these new gyms that have sprung up uh, in the city over the last couple of years, especially since you have relocated to the city. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I feel like uh, the sport is definitely growing in the Chicagoland area, and it's great to be a part of uh, gyms that are are versed and that have you know high caliber athletes such as uh, Valley Flow Striking, like you mentioned. How do you enjoy? Um, I, I call it Valley Fight Systems, Valley Flow Striking. I always mess up the name of uh, Mike Valley's gym, so apologies to him and your team. Uh, <laughs> what do you like the most about Chicago? I know you've been uh, there for a couple of years. Uh, what have you enjoyed about moving to the city? Uh, you know, I, I would say the food's a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a good problem, um, but the food is definitely a problem. Uh, the food is amazing here. It's so rich. Uh, the culture, I feel like it's a melting pot of literally any type of um, different culture. If you want Indian food, if you want African food, if you want Jamaican food, if you want Chinese food, literally anything that you can think of is here in Chicago. So it's a really great place to to get a lot of diversity and I appreciate that especially coming from you know Spokane Washington where you know it's predominantly white when I came to Chicago I was like my people you know like it's, it's like uh, more of my style I think well I feel you on that I'm from Scarborough Ontario which was voted the most diverse food city in the world so we uh, were kindred spirits in that regard my favorite breakfast restaurant in the entire world is in Chicago that was called Dove's Luncheonette have you been there did you say Dublin's uh, no Do- Dove's Luncheonette is, uh, is in no, Chicago. It's my favorite breakfast restaurant. Always looking for good recommendations. I'm going to try that one out. Thank yeah. you. It's a, uh, it's a mezcal bar, and they've got like 200 mezcals, but their breakfast is like, it's unbelievable. So nice. Dove's Luncheonette would be my recommendation. Um, Thank now, in terms of Amanda Nunes, are you able to find uh, any sort of holes in her game that perhaps you, you believe that her previous opponents haven't been able to take advantage of? Listen, I'm not necessarily focused on um, what Amanda does. Obviously, I know that she's uh, she's a great fighter, but I also am a great fighter. And I think that, you know, I'm in the zone. I am ready. It is my time. And, you know, I've never been more focused mentally and physically. 
I cannot focus on what Amanda does. I have to focus on what I know I can do. And I can't tell you what she's going to do. I can just tell you that I'm going to respond and bring something better for when she does come. So I'm just ready to go. I'm in the zone and I'm ready to, for whatever. I'm, I'm ready for anything and everything. Now, I know that MMA math doesn't typically work, but uh, her, her, I guess her most recent loss was to Kat Zingano, who you've defeated. I feel like you and Kat have very similar styles. Would you agree with that? And do you think that that's going to be an advantage for you? Uh, me and Kat are both grapplers, and we're uh, both strong grapplers. So, I mean, I'm not trying to get into the MMA math either, but I just, again, I know that, you know, I've grown and evolved, and I'm ready to express my full potential in this fight and do whatever I have to do to get my hand raised. I'll ask you to put on your analyst hat for a second. How do you think the main event goes? You've got Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Oh, don't put me in this situation. <laughs> don't put me in this situation. I, I, I really, I don't know. Um, I say the fans win throughout the whole card. I'll just say that. The card is stacked top to bottom. Every single fight from the you know prelims to the main card is going to be amazing. So fans truly win on this card. It is a Christmas comes early type of situation. So I'm, I'm happy for both gentlemen. And uh, may the best man win. All right. And I'll ask you about uh, one final matchup. It's the last card of the year. Your, your training partner, Bilal Muhammad, against Stephen Thompson. What do you think Bilal can do to beat uh, Stephen Thompson's awkward style? Um, I, I don't know. I just, again, um, I, I, I think that Bilal's a great fighter. Stephen's a great fighter. And um, I think that Bilal has the skill set to do whatever he wants in life. Um, and, and, you know, again, may the best man win. I, I'm definitely, obviously, biased a little bit and, and hope that Bilal pulls it out. I definitely think that he has what it takes to make that happen. Well, I've seen you uh, use your analyst hat in the past. You're very good at it. But I can tell that your focus is uh, on Amanda Nunes <laughs> solely right now. And uh, I appreciate your time, Juliana. Thanks for this. And best of luck against the Linus. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Have a good one. He is looking for another December to remember, hoping to improve to 7-0 and during the holiday season. You know, the Christmas bonus has been automatic for Rob Font. Uh, I imagine you're looking forward to this one more than others in this month. 100%, man. Another December to remember, man. This is, uh, this is exactly where we want to be. Um, second main event in a row. Another uh, former champ. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. This is, this, is, uh, this is another big fight, and it feels like another big fight. And, um, this, is, this is exactly what we dreamt about. This is what we worked so hard for, and um, yeah, they're here. Yeah, I imagine this uh, this is probably a pretty special one. I mean, uh, Jose Aldo, anybody who has fought in the lighter weight classes watching the WEC uh, probably really looked up to Jose Aldo. I imagine you're in that camp. Yeah, you know, it'd be hard, and, and I'd be lying to say that, it, that I wasn't one of those guys. Um, I actually, I didn't even start watching UFC first. It was the WEC I started watching. You know, I was... Guys like Ronnie Yaya and Doug the Rhino Marshall and Carlos Condit and obviously Dominic Cruz, Faber, and Jose Aldo, the guys, you know, I first started watching um, fight and got into MMA and then eventually I got into the UFC. But, uh, yeah, so I've been watching him for a while. Um, never really thought I would uh, I'll be fighting him. I was a 45er, but, you know, he must, once he dropped down, then I was all right. Then obviously he became, um, you know, a legitimate uh, opponent and you know kept them on my radar and we're finally here yeah, I'm with you on the WEC you know people talk about pride or strike force or whatever their other favorite promotion outside of the UFC was for me it was always the WEC I mean every event was just action packed it, it was rare that you'd get a card that just didn't deliver 100% they uh it was, was action packed non-stop 
um, there's so many, so many fights that you can go back and look at and, and learn from, and 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 you know, like they really did represent and, and hold it down for the smaller, smaller uh, weights. Is Aldo a tough guy to prepare for? Because I mean, we've seen with Cody Garbrandt, your previous opponent, we've seen him make mistakes. Um, and, and get caught and get capitalized upon. But Jose Aldo rarely makes any mistakes. It must be difficult to prepare for somebody like that. Yeah, um, it's hard. You know, he's, he's solid everywhere. He's uh, definitely got the experience. Um, he's been there with a lot of, lot of uh, high-level guys. So, And again, like you say, he doesn't make that many mistakes. Um, but the trick is, and, and, and it's where, uh, you know, if I can get creative and, and get a uh, and show him a little something, a little something different, and, and make him feel that you know overwhelmed, and, and um, make him make mistakes. Um, you know, my job is to capitalize on. Um, the trick is, is maybe how many times he's going to keep making that same mistake. You know, so um, if I don't capitalize on that, you know, the first couple, then it's, and I do believe he's going to be able to adjust. So my, my plan is go out there and make him make some of these mistakes and capitalize right when he does. One thing you've really done in recent fights is turn up the volume. You've been able to really put it on your opponents, sometimes doubling them up uh, in terms of strikes landed, uh, significant strikes landed. Uh, do you think that that is a strategy that you're still going to try to employ against Aldo, is try to overwhelm him with volume since he, you know, he's obviously moving down a weight class or having moved down a weight class and might not be used to that kind of pace? Yeah, you know, I definitely want to um, overwhelm him with volume, with not just punches, volume with feints, volume with footwork, volume with levels. Um, and then keep him guessing, um, even in just volume with different type of looks, um, stay in his face, keep him guessing, and then, um, you know, land the accurate, um, you know, kill shots that I need to land to get rid of a, a guy like Jose Aldo. But, um, yeah, man, you know, um, you know, I feel like the last, the last fight, you know, showed that I can go five rounds. I, I proved it to myself. It's one thing to train for five rounds and it's another thing to go in there and actually do five rounds. With a, with a former champ, and um, you know, I've done that, and I, I do believe I, I, I can do it again, and I, and I know I can do it again, and um, you know, I, I plan on going out there and overwhelming him. What did you think of the title fight, uh, Corey Zanhagen, Piotr Jan? Fantastic fight, one of the best fights of the year. But man, Piotr Jan, we talk about guys that don't make a lot of mistakes. I, I can barely remember any mistake that this guy's made in the UFC. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's, he's real patient. He's um, he's calculated, and um. And when he when he sees a mistake, he, he makes you pay, you know. So, uh, man, he that, that that fight was fun. It's exciting. Uh, shout out to Corey for taking it on short notice. He uh, he looked great. He um, he started off real quick and fast, and then um, obviously he got hurt. Um, I believe it was the third round, and then kind of uh, you know the momentum shifted from there. But again, another another great fight. Um, yeah, man, I think you know any any of these fights that the thirty five was put on are going to be. They're going to be um, high-level, fun fights to watch, and um, yeah, I, I just believe the division's on a on fire right now. You know, you know, I'm excited to be a part of it. You know, I watched Aljamain Sterling's fight over again against Jan, and knowing what we know about Jan, that actually was an interesting strategy. It was trying to kind of be off rhythm, uh, throwing things at him from different looks, different angles. Uh, it obviously ended up not really working. Out, you know, we don't know what the result was, but it seemed like Jan was really starting to, to take that fight over. But what did you think about his strategy uh, now? Having just watched Jan against Sanhagen. Yeah, um, you know, um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to watch it again. I've only watched it there uh, when it was live. You're talking about the Aljamain Sterling fight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, he. I think he started off fast and just got tired. Um, you know, he started off too fast, got tired, and and that's a big mistake with a guy like like Jan, who's 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 real calm and he starts slow and he, and he kind of like reads you for that first especially like that first three minutes, he's just reading and engaging. And, um, 
yeah, you know, obviously Al Jermaine was throwing a bunch of different looks at him, and, and, and but it wasn't. I don't, I don't think it phased him at all. He just kind of like was just biding his time, and then obviously he did what he did. But they need to hurry up and run that back, man. Just kind of get this kind of all squared away, you know. I feel like when they run that one back, if that inevitably is what happens, uh, I think Aljamain is going to do something completely different. Like I feel like he knows that that last strategy probably doesn't work. Uh, do you agree? Do you think that basically he's going to have a whole different game plan? Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, you know it can't it can't change that drastically, but um, I think his his, his tempo is going to slow down the, the amount of output he does, or at least the, uh, he did in the first first round or two. It's going to maybe uh you know slow down and try to maybe pick his shots a little a little better but we'll see man you know obviously hopefully he recovers quicker um you know has a speedy recovery and, and gets in there because uh you know that 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 remains has to happen do you still feel like there's going to be another hurdle ahead of you after this one if you get a win over Aldo? you think dillashaw is something that stands in your way between uh getting a title shot versus not getting one yeah you know this is uh this is a weird situation i mean you know um Obviously, um, find a, a big name in Jose Aldo, you know, um, you know, win over him, and especially a finish over him. Definitely, um, you know, I believe has uh, have a strong case for a title shot. But you know, we got to wait for Aljamain. Then we also have TJ coming back, but he's injured, so also got to figure out how that plays out. And then, um, so yeah, I, I believe um, I, I, if if Aljamain can't come back and, and and fight, hopefully, you know, they give me the shot the shot first. If not, it's look obviously it looks like most likely I have to fight TJ um, before I get that title shot. And this division is just completely stacked at the top. Like I, I don't know how you go to bed at night not not worrying about what's going to be next for you because obviously you're not worried about fighting these guys. But there's just it, it's just going to well, be tough task, test after tough test after yeah, tough that's test. The, that's the thing though, you know. So it's kind of like it, it's nothing to even kind of lose sleep over because regardless of who it is, going to be a tough fight. So it's kind of like ooh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I'm fighting next. It's going to be a big big tough you know main another main event type fight you know yeah so it's just might as well just go to sleep and get, get up and get ready to train because it's either going to be aldo or again tj or or young you know like so again these all are, are tough a tough matchup so but i'm up i'm here and i'm ready for it did you play a street fighter at all growing up a little bit, a little bit. Not, yeah, you've beaten to, uh, Balrog. Like you're 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 in the boss stage. Like you've beaten Balrog, and now you're going on to Vega, and that that's kind of yeah. where you're at right now. It's it, it just doesn't <laughs> get any easier. <laughs> at all, man. At all. So, but it's it's fun, it's exciting, and it, and it, uh, and again, I don't need much motivation to go to the gym, but you know, to hear these type of names and and get these type of opportunities, it's like psh, I'm constantly like on, on on go the whole time. It's like the general is always going because it's like this is. This is what you know. We we train for. This is what we work so hard for, and and we're getting we're getting opportunities. So we're in a good spot. Well, you talk about the opportunities, and obviously one was presented to you, uh, unfortunately at an inopportune time, uh, to take on Piotr Jan on short notice. Do you feel like that's almost a blessing in disguise because getting a short notice fight against someone like Piotr Jan, and, and let's say that opportunity ends up be, being a missed opportunity. Uh, it's very difficult to get back to that to that stage, and I imagine you'd probably rather have a full camp for a guy like that. Yeah, you know that was a uh, that was that was a hard decision to make. Um, you know, obviously I was, I was dealing with the whole Usada situation, um, so I wasn't sure if I was either doing six months or a year before I could fight again. So we were trying to figure that out. Um, and then obviously once we figure that out, um, you know I, I got COVID, 
So we're dealing with that, and then we got the call. So I was I was basically up in the house for like three weeks doing nothing. We got the call. We tested out the cardio, and and, and it was just kind of like I felt like we were just trying to figure out how to get to the fight instead of just worrying about the fight. So it was like, man, this is this seems like rushed. It seems dangerous. And again, against a guy like Jan, it's you know it's not the way we want to kind of like like you know like we don't want to go out there kind of half ass and you know see. And, and ruin this type of opportunity. So, you know, we, we made a decision as a team. And it wasn't it wasn't the right time. And, um, you know, it, it sucked, but it sucked for like two or three days. And obviously we got the Jose Aldo fight. So it was like right back to it. So it wasn't, it wasn't the worst, you know? Yeah, back on the horse. I mean, basically everybody that you're fighting from here on out is just an absolute, like, you know, killer at the top of this division. So you're going to have a tough fight ahead of you regardless of who you're up against. And you've got a tough one this weekend. You know, I've got the uh, Rob Font advent calendar I'm working on. you got the month of December. We're almost getting all 24 boxes checked off. So you just got to add another one to the uh, to the advent calendar. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I love it, love it, man. I love December, man. Puerto Rican Santa Claus, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob. Best of luck uh, this Saturday against Jose Aldo. Always a pleasure speaking with you. You're the man. Thank you again for having me on, bro. Here's Jimmy Crew taking on Jamal Hill this weekend at UFC Fight Night. Now, I haven't seen you since uh, I saw you back in Canada. It's too bad we're not having events there, but how's it feel to be stateside once again? Yeah, it's really good. It's really good to get out of um, Australia, to be honest. I love it there, but the lockdowns have been getting too much recently, so um, it is really nice to come to a bit of freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And Jamal Hill, this is a, an interesting matchup for you. You and him are both kind of young, up-and-coming guys in this division. Do you think that this is one of those fights that's going to kind of determine which one of you belongs and which one of you doesn't in terms of the, the, the future top 10 prospects of this division? I feel like we both belong. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe, maybe who belongs right now in this point in time. Um, but, yeah, I feel like we both belong where we are. Um, but yeah, whoever this definitely decides who moves forward, who who um, moves forward to the upper echelon. Now it's been uh, it's almost a three year anniversary, I guess, tomorrow of your win over Paul Craig. Uh, Paul Craig was his most recent opponent, and he uh, he unfortunately fell short in that one. Um, when you look at that kind of a matchup uh, against a guy like a Paul Craig, do you understand why uh, Jamal ended up losing that? I guess is the first loss on his professional record. Yeah, man, I I have a lot of respect for Paul Craig and. Um, he is a guy that is hard to deal with if you're not used to those big moments. Um, if Paul Craig will make it personal, make it all these things that some guys aren't used to. He even, he even made me a bit um, out of character because of the way he acted. And he does that to perform. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really hold that loss against Paul Craig against uh, Jamal. You know, me and Paul have a very different grappling style too. I'm not going to go out there and pull guard and, 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 um, and do everything that Paul did. So I can't just be like, oh, I sub Paul and Paul subbed um, Jamal, so that means I'm going to sub Jamal. It, it doesn't work like that. So um, I'm just prepared for everything. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, MMA math doesn't always add up. I mean, we're in a matchup-based no, sport. <laughs> we often see uh, how people will fare in, in their different matchups. Uh, your last matchup against Anthony Smith, um, obviously uh, a doctor stoppage due to the um, inability, I guess, to walk at the end of the round. You, you tried your best to get out there for the second round, but how, how soon after were you able to walk perfectly? Because it seems like it's one of those things that happened in the fight. Your leg kind of goes dead for a little while, and then it, it kind of sparks back to life. Man, what's the, what's the replay? I was walking around after the fight straight after i didn't limp one, once more after that so that's what's annoying um i actually i actually probably 
did myself an injustice by trying to prove I could fight and, and stepping back so hard on my leg. If I had to just walk forward and walk backwards normally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have limped. So, um, yeah, it was a bit frustrating, but what can you do about it? Is it one of those things like almost, I guess if, if you're not a fighter, you can compare it to when your arm falls asleep or your, you know, your, your leg falls asleep. It feels weird for a bit and then it just kind of <laughs> comes right back yeah. after a couple of minutes. Is that what it's like? It was, uh, there was no pain. I just, my my foot kept curling in under itself, so um, yeah, it was it was more annoying. Like I, I, I would rather it just be super painful and and all that because I know I can grit get through that. But when your body just stops working, there's not much you can do about it. Had anything like that ever happened to you in training previously? Nah, n- nothing since. So I got um I got out of a quarant- hotel, so I had to do hotel, two weeks of hotel quarantine when I got home, and um I went straight to sparring, got kicked in the leg heaps, and yeah, it was fine. A lot of uh, people in your situation that are in o- the oceanic regions like uh, Australia and New Zealand are moving stateside because of uh, the different restrictions, of course, in terms of travel. Is that something that's crossed your mind, uh, possibly moving to Las Vegas for a little bit and being uh, around on short notice? Um, it has definitely crossed my mind for that one single reason, just getting more fights in. But I feel like Australia opening up, opening up now, if it keeps open, um, I'll be able to get get more fights in, no problem. But um, if we go back into lockdown, it's definitely something to consider. Uh, I, I don't know your family situation. Are you married, have kids or anything along those lines? No, no, it's just the only reason I wouldn't move, the only reason I didn't move in lockdown was because of my um, my bulldog, Buddha. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm, I'm pretty free. So You can't bring the dog with leave you? leave him. <laughs> oh, you can, but I don't know. Someone hit me up and tell me, tell me how um, stressful it is to get him over. Yeah, yeah, I guess the dogs have to be, I mean, especially that kind of a long flight. It's probably nothing you want to put your dog through. I wouldn't do it to him, no. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anybody over there that can uh, take care of him if you do decide to make the move? Yeah, well, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't move and leave him if I couldn't bring him. But um, I would come over here for a few weeks at a time, maybe. Yeah, and you're getting, uh, you're, you're training, uh, I've heard you say in different interviews, I watched your interview with Submission Radio, you say your training is world-class uh, in Australia, so it's, you know, you wouldn't move to the U.S., of course, for any sort of training reasons, it's just so that you could be on call if they needed somebody on short notice. 100%, yeah, just to be um, that little bit closer and a little bit more available for the UFC. How much more time would you need in advance to take a fight? Like, if they called and said, we need you to fight in three weeks, are you able to make that work, or is there, uh, are there restrictions that would preclude you from doing that? Um... I think what the problem was was the hotel quarantine. I literally had to do two extra weeks in a hotel when I got back. Um, now, I think, yeah, as long as there's flights, which I'm sure there will be, I'm sure they're not going to take away all the flights. Um, I could do it. I could do it in a week's notice. I could do it if 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 it was heavyweight. I could do it in less than a week's notice. So, what is the situation then in terms of traveling back and forth? So, when you land in Australia, for example, after this fight, you're able to just go right home. I think it's I think it's 72 hours now of um, home quarantine, which is a lot better than two weeks hotel quarantine. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And I don't know if they've changed that in New Zealand at all. Is it, is it just as strict uh, in New Zealand as it was before with the 14 days? Yeah, well, yeah, 14 days in a hotel, pretty much prison. Yeah, so it's, it's still the same thing in New Zealand. So it's different, uh, I guess, between the two regions. Um, all right, well, I guess that makes it a little bit easier for those that are in Australia to, to fight, I guess. I think uh, New Zealand's time. home now. I think, I think it's home quarantine now for 10 days. Okay, so that's not quite as bad because I know a lot of them were uh, unable to see their families for some time. Are they still doing that lottery oh, system? No, nah, we didn't have that in Australia, no. No, I mean in, in New Zealand, do you know that if they're still doing oh, that? I have, have no idea. Up? No, no clue, okay. I have no idea, man. Yeah, I guess it's like you asking me about America. I'm in Canada, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or an Amer- asking yeah. an American about Canada is probably an even better example. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much the same thing, I think. 
So tell me about Jamal and his fighting style. How do you think um, he's going to approach this fight versus how you plan on approaching it? Man, I, 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 he definitely thinks he has a huge, huge striking advantage, and probably so he should. But um, I, I feel like he's going to try and, and, and land on me pretty early, um, which plays right into my game. You know, any, he, he said the other day that anyone that's tried to throw hands with him um, has come off second best. So I, I disagree. I feel like anyone that's tried to stand toe-to-toe with me has come on second best. So um, he'll take the first backward step, I believe. And, and once he does that, I'll just be able to move forward and, and, and start putting a lot of power on him. And we've got heaps of um, we've got heaps of things we can do if we need to in there. So um, just got to be wary. Like he, at, at his range, he can do a lot of damage. I, I've seen that. Um, but if I dictate the pace, dictate my range, he won't touch me. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. December 1st, 2022, one year from today, who is the champion in the light heavyweight division? One year from today. It could be anyone. It could be, it could be, anybody. It could be Jim Crute. It could be anybody. Probably not me. I'm not, I'm not racing, man. I'm not racing. I'd say Anthony Smith, um, Alexander Rakic, or... Maybe even Glover still. Mm-hmm. You're taking Yuri out of the mix, Yuri Prokashka. I, 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 I'm not. I, I really like Yuri, but I, I just want to see his grand game before I get more faith in him. Well, you mentioned Rakic. He's got a fight coming up now. Apparently, uh, was reported today. I think Eric Bolani yeah. reported it first uh, against Jan Blahovic in the, the end of March. Uh, what do you think we're going to see from Jan Blahovic in that fight compared to what we saw from him in his fight with Glover Teixeira? Um, I love Jan um, Blahovic, but uh, I, I just don't think he's I don't think his grappling will, will get him through. I think I think um, Alexander Rakic should be able to dry hump him. And what was your reaction when you saw Glover Teixeira win the title in the way that he did? I mean, he did it in such a dominant fashion. I was fashion. so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. Um, yeah, Glover, man, how could you write a better story than that? It's, um, I was so happy for him, and you know, I, I hope I hope he can defend it a few times, but it's it's pretty shark shark tank division. So um, we'll see what happens with him. But man, it was just so good to see him raise that belt um, at least once. It seems like anybody who's met Glover's had a great experience with him. I know you guys shared the card in Vancouver that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, he was in the bro, event. He, um, I was sitting there. Um, I was just sitting there with my my team after um, in the lobby, and I get this tap on the shoulder, and I turn around, and it's Glover, and he's like, "Hey, man, I bought pizzas," and he shouted <laughs> the whole room pizzas. Yeah, he's a, he's a fucking cool dude. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's hard to find a better story than that. I mean, Glover's what, he's yeah. 42, 43, been really you know, grinding away the last 10-plus years in the UFC to get to where he is. So it's, uh, it's nice to see, of course. Uh, I don't know if there could be a better story. I, I was thinking, like, maybe Misha Tate, if she came back. You know, obviously, she just lost recently. But, you know, she had a kid, come, comes out of retirement. If she were to get, you know, win over Amanda Nunes, like, maybe that's, like, as good of a story but, as Glover. Yeah. But it's, it's difficult to come up with something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if, you, if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, well, that's pretty Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Well, hopefully a Hollywood ending of your own this weekend yourself. Jamal Hill, the main card, UFC fight night. You can watch it on TSN here in Canada. Appreciate your time. Look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks, mate. Good to talk to you. Pleased to be joined now by Jeremy Kennedy, who's taking on Emmanuel Sanchez December the 3rd. That's this Friday for Bellator. A crazy matchup. Emmanuel Sanchez is a really, really tough opponent. Where do you think this moves you up the ladder in terms of the division? Uh, I think I think it's a, a big fight, man. It uh, puts me right up where I belong, right at the top of the division. He's ranked fourth. Um you know, I win this one, and, and I'm right up in there. I'm in that, in that top five, and uh, it's a 
clear path to the titles shortly after that, you know. Um, yeah, it's uh, the whole the whole ranking, the top ten, it, it, it's all killers, man. So um, I think anywhere you you match any of us up, it's uh, it's going to be fireworks. Yeah, the 145 pound division in the sport as a whole, I think, is the deepest division. It's just pretty unbelievable how much talent there is. I don't know what's going to happen in Bellator, though. I mean, uh, Patricio has relinquished the title. His brother ended up winning the title at lightweight, uh, and he wants the rematch with AJ McKee, but it doesn't seem like that's a guarantee. What have you heard? Yeah, like it, it's... I, I think there's some ironing out that needs to be done. Um, I've heard rumbles of, of Borks getting the, the title shot, uh, the rematch happening with AJ. I know AJ wants to stay busy. You got Mads right there, so... Who I, I don't really know. I think that's I'm just focused on Sanchez. I think he puts me right up in there, and I'll let all that iron out, um, and then we'll see what's next after this. But uh, my it's all irrelevant to me unless I can you know catapult myself into the top of the division, anyways, and that starts uh, with Sanchez. What was your reaction when you saw the fight between AJ and uh, Patricio? I was actually there, um, and. I didn't expect that, you know. Yeah, AJ, man, he he just made it look almost too easy. It's it's. I think the size was a big thing, um, especially with that open stance and that that same side kick coming in. And and uh, Pitbull's pretty small. I've always thought his. I'm I'm really surprised uh, about what happened with Patricio after that. Actually, hang on one sec. I, I, are you frozen on your end? Do you, your screen looks totally frozen. Okay. Now that fight between AJ McKee and Pitbull, what a fight that was for as long as it lasted. But what was your reaction uh, when you saw how that played out? Because I don't think anybody expected AJ to win like that. Yeah, you know, I was actually there live. Um, and exactly, I, I thought it was going to be a lot uh, closer and... A, not go that way for sure you know um i always thought pitbull was a little short for the division and uh that open stance aj being a southpaw the big lead power kick coming from the rear side uh and he was biting on the feints a lot you know and and aj played that perfect you know he had him he you can see him setting it up just for however long it lasted um you never really know what the rematch would look like though you know, it let the fight play out a little bit more, go a couple rounds and see what the other exchanges would look like. But, uh, yeah, man, he kind of got caught early. And I think the size is a big thing. You know, he's he's a short guy for 145. He's, he's got the job done. He's always made it work. Um, he's a long, long-time reigning champ. So you can't really uh, critique him too much. You know, he got caught early. And it's kind of that same thing with that Connor Aldo esque you know he 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 got caught early and he's a long time time rank you know champ so it's hard to write him off um i just curious to see it's kind of a weird reaction exactly you know giving up the lightweight belt and um kind of been you know hesitant on the rematch you know so we'll we'll see what happens um i would like to see it but i also want to see the division move along um aj looks like he wants to stay busy so we'll see what happens it's just surprising because at the beginning of the year, everybody was talking about how Patricio could become a triple champ. Like he was the 55 champ, 45 champ. People said he could move down to 35, and now he's got no hardware. And I actually was very shocked, like you mentioned, that he gave up the 55-pound belt because I felt like he was holding the cards. Like if you want to get A.J. McKee to sign a rematch with you, 
put up the lightweight title. I think AJ would have, uh, you know, rather done that. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if AJ tries to fight Patricky Pitbull instead now and, and tries to become a, a dual division champion himself. Yeah, I think uh, the weight would definitely favor AJ, though, uh, at 55, that same fight. I think uh, Pitbull needs that fight at 45, so I think that's probably why, and with the history with his brother and whatnot. So I think that's kind of the reasoning behind it, because I know he doesn't want that rematch at 55. He would want that at 45. And logically, he kind of deserves the rematch anyways. I don't think he really needs you know, a bargaining chip for Bellator to, to rebook that with how, how that fight went. And it was kind of quick and people want to see that fight play out a little bit more. But again, like I said, I'm all good. Wh- whatever they end up choosing to do, I just want to see the division move forward. Would you have any interest in moving up to 55? I mean, you're not the biggest featherweight, but it seems like it's a, a pretty clear path to the title at 55 as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, as I get older, the, the weight cuts are never never easy and never fun. But um, I love the 45 division, man. And uh, I've dedicated my whole career to this. You know, I've studied the whole division. I know future opponents. It's it's in a very competitive division. So that's where the big fights are going to be at. Um, but you never know. You know, my my size, my my height, my reach, my length. It, it can. I won't be at a disadvantage at 55. So who knows what the the future holds? But I definitely need to take some time and actually do it properly. You know, you see guys rush up there. Max, for example, when when Holloway jumped up, you can tell he was just the smaller guy against Poirier, and you know his shots were kind of like bouncing off Poirier and everything that Dustin hit him with. You know, you could notice, and uh, that's just the size, and that's ten pounds of properly being a 55er compared to a 45er, just not cutting as much weight. So I, if I would ever do it, it would just have to be smart. And the ten pounds isn't even ten pounds; it's like thirty pounds, right? Because you look at the weight discrepancy after the weigh-ins, right? The percentages for sure. Now, I don't know if you've spoken about this before, but how did you end up in Bellator? You you were in the PFL for one season. Was that all you had signed up for the PFL for? Uh, yeah, I was actually I was in the PFL. Um, I made it to the semis, and I was supposed to be re-signed for the the following year. It was in my contract with if you if you make semis, you're re re-upped, and um, I was actually training for that 2020 season. Then the pandemic came and squashed everything they canceled the season and uh they were putting a bunch of guys on that stimulus check and um to keep them in contract and i wanted no part of that i wanted to stay busy and you know i wanted real money and to fight and earn and properly and whatnot and so i was kind of trying to put my put the word in to kind of get released and um we able to come to a mutual agreement was able to get released and um Ali, my, my manager, best in the game, was able to put me to work right away and get me uh, a deal with Bellator. And Bellator has always been on my radar. You know, um, I, I like I like how often frequently they keep shows. I like the division. I've been a big big fan of the 45 division. I was following their uh, GP, the the 45 Grand Prix. You know, even while I was in PFL, that was running the same time. So I was I was always interested in it as a competitor and. Uh, once, you know, PFL really took their time on COVID, they were, they were completely shut down all the way up until this, this past April. And uh, I was able to get two fights in before that season even started. So um, it was a big, big decision for me to be able to move up forward and keep fighting and uh, keep me happy. And, and now I've, I've found a home. You know, I've, the, the tournament was fun, but it was more of like an experience. I didn't really 
feel like a home, like this was a forever thing to be in the PFL. They're always, it's a, it's a short roster and they're constantly changing. And every year it's, they're trying to get new blood in and whatnot. So it was just a little different. I wanted my back to my normal, you know, you get your four fight deal and then you can resign and try to stay long term and, and build a, build a home and a foundation. And that's kind of where I found with Bellator. Um, and that's why I just plan on and spending the rest of my career here. And I've bounced around a lot. You know, I've been in all the top division organizations, you know, and had very good success in all of them too. And uh, now I'm just ready to take this division by storm, man. I can see why you want the stability. I look at your resume in the last three years. I guess yeah. over the course of three years, you were in the UFC, Brave, PFL, and Bellator. That's yeah. rare you see that for a guy that's on your level. That's like that's a, a top featherweight that's, yeah. that's bouncing around like that. Yeah, so it's... It's brought a lot of cool experiences. Um, a lot of it was just mismanagement. I was doing it myself for a while. Um, once now that I'm with Dominance and Ali, he's just taking complete care of me and, and made sure I'm good and always had the right steps ahead where to move forward. And uh, yeah, just bouncing around. Then the pandemic came and I, I got to travel though. I got my my few fights with Brave where I was, uh, you know, went to Morocco and Saudi Arabia and, and whatnot and then did a tournament and <laughs> two fights in one night and done the PFL thing and I've been to the UFC early on in my career. I was pretty young back then and uh, still growing. And now this is the best me, everything maturity, you know, mentally, physically, I'm kind of, kind of coming into my prime here. I've moved full time down to Vegas. So I've, I've got a great, great routine and, and structure and, and plan, you know, year round. I'm, I'm not just doing what I was doing in camps because I would always go back to Canada um, now I'm doing that year round. And so I've spent the last seven, seven plus months since my last fight, just training hard every day. That's my job. You know, it's Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, Sunday's off. And I'm just training two, three times a day. So it's, I've gotten a lot better and I'm really excited for this Wonder man. Just, I've been itching. I've been wanting to fight for the last little while and, uh, the fight was getting bounced around. And then they gave me this date with the, with Sanchez. I was like, oh, this is perfect, man. It couldn't be any better. Co-main event right near the end of the year. Get to fight and then uh, do a little you know, holiday thing back home with the family. And that's it. See what happens next year. I was going to say, you haven't fought in uh, Canada in five plus years. But when was the last time you were at home? When was the last time you got to see your family? Are they coming to you? Yeah, they've been actually coming to me, um, which is cool because Vegas this time of year, you know, the weather's a lot better than, than BC, Canada. So, uh I was back there in beginning of October for a week um, just because I still have my house back there and that was kind of lingering and I got renters in there so I had to go and button all that up and uh, you know pat some holes, move some stuff and get some guys in there and um, yeah so I was home for about six days and then as much family time as I can and then my dad's come down here a couple times, he's retired. Uh, my mom came down here. My, my a few of my friends have came down and stayed, so it, it's been good. I've still had a little piece of home coming back here, but I'm definitely excited to uh, end the year with a fight and then no guilt-free go back to BC and, and relax a little bit. I'm guessing you make more money renting out property in BC than you do fighting, because that, that's a pretty lucrative deal. Yeah, yeah. It's actually <laughs> finally now. You know, I was it was sitting empty for a while, so it's actually more of a burden than anything. It was just burning the pockets paying a mortgage and a rent down here but it was just so sporadic when I made the move because all the borders were closed I everything was shut down so I just kind of picked up and left and uh 
it was pretty much a, a, a furnished house sitting there. You know, I bought everything new down here and uh, my wife was still kind of coming back and forth. And then when the pandemic hit and her, her job and yoga studio shut down, she, um, I convinced her to come down here and just make the move permanently. And um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been tough, but just this last two months now, we've actually had somebody in and it's good to have the residual income, you know? Um, but before that it was, man, it was, expensive every month <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine i bet your house in vegas probably cost like four million dollars in, uh, in bc <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no it's, it's crazy the 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 difference in the pricing you know um it makes me want to now i'm just motivated i wanted to keep that instead of selling that and coming down here it was just the motivation was to keep that house get some renters in there and you know growing pains at the beginning and now my goal is to to buy another house down here while keeping that bc house so that's the goals, and it all comes with just winning some fights, man. I gotta get the money and uh, establish myself here, like I was there, and um, all said and done, could have a place there and here would be ideal. Uh, finally, what's the key to beating Emmanuel Sanchez? Very, very tough fighter to pe- uh, to peg. He's really, really talented. I think he's one of the most talented guys in Bellator as a whole. Uh, and I, when he fought uh, Patricio, I was surprised that he he did as poorly as he did because I th- I thought he was going to potentially win that fight. Um, what, what's the key to beating him? Yeah, I think with him, you just got to uh, – you can't let him dictate the pace and let him walk you down. Like you saw that in that second uh, Daniel Weichel fight. Um, once he gets going and he gets on that, that groove, he's just – he's got a good gas tank. He's he's durable and he's good everywhere. But uh, you got you to gotta dictate the pace. You know, you got to come in there, take center cage. And, and I, I, I train a lot with Mads Brunel, and I was there to watch that fight and rewatch that fight. And that's kind of a pretty good blueprint on – on how to beat this guy you know you you can't let him dictate the pace you know you got to get right in his face match him you know head on and that's why i'm excited about this fight um on the ground same thing you got to be solid safe safe he likes to throw things up off of his back he's he's active off of his bottom he's he's just durable everywhere man he's really good um but he's the type of guy that everything has to be on point for me so i have to go in there be sharp on the feet be sharp in the wrestling, be sharp in the grappling, and uh, maintain good – you have to come in shape. And, uh, yeah, you can't let him get going. And then you you got to kind of disrupt that and, and, yeah, bring the fight to him. And that's what I plan on doing. Well, stakes are high in the featherweight division. It's yourself, Emmanuel Sanchez, December the 3rd. Thanks for doing this, and uh, best of luck against Emmanuel. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Big thanks to all of our guests, Juliana Pena, Rob Font, Jimmy Crute, Jeremy Kennedy. Fun show, fun show. And I appreciate you for tuning in to the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Always a pleasure providing this content for you. And all I ask in return, if you have a moment, go on iTunes, rate and review the show, or wherever you get your podcast, feel free to leave a review. It's always appreciated, helps us out, and hopefully you have no problem doing this because, you know, Great content every, every single week, so if you can find the time to do that, like I said, helps us out on the charts, and we would really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.